You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 479, how do you come back from a scandal? TV and movies obsession with the past and the problems of an agony aunt. That's all coming up after Holly and the Italians and tell that girl to shut up. was released in 1979 it was all over the radio and it was expected to be a big hit holly was often on the front of the music press uh pages uh front pages but maybe the cheap and cheerful production didn't help i don't know it didn't trouble the charts from 1979 holly and the italians tell that girl to shut up that's a fantastic song. I really love that. And interestingly, you say it didn't trouble the charts because of its production. The Transmission Vamp yeah. version did, didn't it, unfortunately, yeah. like it or not. So yeah. um, I, I, I sense your groan and I share it. Mm. But um, I'm a huge fan of the, the song. I think it's great. And uh, very, very long-standing uh, listeners will remember my adventures in my band, Go Bodicea, which is, I say it's on hold at the moment, isn't everything, frankly. Everything. But anyway, yes, absolutely. I, one day I'm sure we'll do something else. But anyway, we... Um, we did, used to cover that when we played live and uh, it's a very enjoyable song to play and sing is what I would say so if you're at home in lockdown you've got a ukulele or a guitar and you're trying to learn songs that's quite easy and it's quite good fun you know that Dire Straits record that you're not too fond of Romeo and Juliet yes well it's not that I'm not fond of it it's the just people keep you... quoting it at you well, how do you feel? How do you feel about Terry by Twinkle? Well, yeah, I take your point. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, uh, Dire Straits. Do you know this? Mark Knopfler wrote that about his doomed romance with Holly Beth Vincent of Holly and the Italians. I did not know that. That mm. is very interesting. Thank and you, Sophie. He he felt that she had used him to sort of gain fame because mm. um, they broke up, or she broke up from him, and then mm. she was interviewed, and an interviewer said. Oh, Oh, you know, and what about your um, uh, relationship with uh, Mark Knopfler? And she said, oh, I used to just have a scene with him. And that's why in Romeo and Juliet, she says, oh, hey, Ro you know, uh, Romeo, I used to just have a scene with him. So when oh, you re-look at Romeo and Juliet and look at it from that 
knowledge that it's all about Mark Knopfler's relationship with Holly from Holly and the Italians, it it kind of makes a lot more sense. Um, mm, that is that is very interesting. Yeah, I I I'm only frustrated by it because you know people sing it at you all the time yes, because because yes. in the same way that it's with you and and Terry by Twinkle, which I yes. do rather like actually, but I can imagine <laughs> that it becomes tedious. So yes, so yes. yes having yes. said that, that does give an interesting new factoid on the song. It's quite possible that lots of our regular listeners knew this, but I didn't. So thank you. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us for the latest interlude from the Parish Council. It's episode 479. I'm Terence Stackham, and oh, don't tell this girl to shut up. It's Juliet Harris. I mean, to be honest, someone ought to by now, shouldn't they? I, I believe one of the reviews of our podcast did pretty much. But anyway, <laughs> hello, everyone. Hope you're well. Um, scandals. The the media, especially print mm. media, they enjoy exposing scandals. And if, yes. if a famous person is involved, then hold the front page. But well, unless, of course, there's been a court order telling you not to. <laughs> it's a super injunction. Then you, you have to hold the front page for a very long time. But if possibly in, years. Yes. Yes. If you're in the middle of a scandal, when do you know when to stop digging? And if you've already dug too expansive a hole, can you come back from a scandal? Mm. This week in November 2020, when we're recording this, Johnny Depp and the former footballer, now manager Ryan Giggs, have both been in the news for reasons they, they well, both of them would certainly wish mm. they were not so well publicised. Maybe one of your super injunctions would have helped. Well, the thing is, will they be able to reboot their respective careers? It, it seems politicians find ways to bounce back with far greater ease than celebrities in america donald trump and here in the uk boris johnson both came back from countless disgraces each to become at least for a while leader in their countries mm. why, why is it jules that when skeletons emerge from the closet some people carry on with those skeletons just rattling alongside them to really no ill effect yet others find their careers ruined overnight well, I do have a have a you know a slightly cynical answer to this. I must admit, um, if you look, if we look specifically at the world of actors, actresses, so the Hollywood entertainment industry, um, the people that are hung out to dry and find it very very difficult to come back are women. The people who are given a certain period of rehab rehabilitation and then return are men. I can give you examples here. Yeah. Um, Winona Ryder. Done, oh, done for shoplifting, yeah, shoplifting yeah. career done for about 15 years. It's only within, you know, certainly for a good decade, she was, you know, unbookable, wasn't she really? Yeah. Hollywood completely brushed, washed its hands of her. And then it's only really in things like Better Things, in the not Better Things, um, Stranger Things. That's oh, right, yeah. Stranger Things. That was her sort of comeback, wasn't it really? It took a very long time. Um, on the other hand, I see that Mel Gibson is starring in a gritty drama, despite his. Um, Good Lord, I didn't know that. Yes, yeah. despite his um, his his you know anti-Semitic rant. Yeah, widespread anti yeah anti-Semitic and you know anti-women rants. The continued defending of him by Jodie Foster very peculiar in my view. But anyway, um, Christian Slater, who who you know had various sort of drink and drug related episodes has made a comeback and you know and that's all fine i i find it pretty frustrating that 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 i i do feel that the sins of famous men are forgiven a lot quicker than the sins of famous women isn't it funny how louis ck was gigging within six months of those horrible yes. horrible weinstein style um style sort of revelations about what yeah. was going on with him um it's strange, isn't it? I I think it uh, at the end of the day, whether or not you can make a comeback, I think depends upon how deep your pockets are in terms of lawsuits and and libel, um, and that sort of thing. Um, it maybe depends on how nice you've been on your way up. That might be a sort mm. of a a, a a a thing, and tied into that sort of what your connections are and and who you know. I think it also depends if you're a man and a woman. To my shame, I hadn't really thought about. Uh, that aspect of uh, women not getting away with it and men getting away with it. I mean, it's 25 years ago now uh, since Hugh Grant's arrest in Hollywood. Mm. And apart from the embarrassment factor, it doesn't seem to have affected his career at all. And I think um, time certainly does yes, help. Yes, I think so. And uh, for the recovery from scandal of shame. Um, it's 11 years this month since Tiger Woods' no notorious car crash. And mm. nobody seems to refer to it now. But... Um, 
Yeah, it's made me rethink. I was thinking um, earlier today about Anthony Weiner and thinking he's unlikely to be a public figure again. Oh, yes, and, of course. I've forgotten all about him. Yeah, and Lance Armstrong, the cyclist. But then I'm thinking, based on your, you know, it's one rule for men and one, one rule for women, maybe just allow enough time to get past and... and you know, they they maybe have this chance of uh, of new beginnings, and as we mm-hmm. said, Johnson and Trump uh, carry on regardless. Maybe maybe there's no pattern to it. It's just that mm. uh, some famous people get lucky and others not so. Maybe some have put, like I say, maybe some have put the work in earlier on mm. in their careers and have better connections. Maybe it's interesting so. what you say there. Maybe there's maybe there's degrees of this, and also let's not forget that Tiger Woods is not a white man, and actually. I, again, I think this is some people in society get a fair crack at the most. Yes, he behaved appallingly. I'm not saying he didn't. It was awful. Having said that, yes, you say that no one mentions it anymore, but he doesn't really have. I mean, he did have that. He did win that major tournament, didn't he? But apart mm, from that, well, you you don't see him everywhere anymore, do you? I I mean, he well, it he's seemed to coincide to his, with a complete derailment of his golfing career. I mean, he, he well, just it, it all it all happened. Well, it was all tied up, I think. But it's interesting, isn't it, that um, that there's a difference, I think, between being forgiven and it being forgotten. And I think that I think that that yes, maybe you can get maybe you can get forgiveness in the sense that you are sort of it's acceptable to put you in stuff again. But I don't. Maybe uh, you say maybe it coincides with sports people with a loss in form, ageing, that sort of thing, and and all careers sort of uh, fluctuate just naturally, don't they? Sometimes we do well, sometimes we don't in all in all walks of life. But maybe uh, maybe there's a difference between being able to be in the public eye again and being at the same level of, of being held in the same level of affection as you were before. I think they're different things, and I think it's possible to do the former, but it's not very possible to do the latter. Although having said that, Hugh Grant has managed it here. Mm, very true. Coming right up, TV and movies' obsession with the past. Mm. Uh, that's next after Gladys Knight and the Pips. All aboard.
topical as uh, we record this um in what appears to be the ongoing american election um we are on a uh, day four i think day three or day four i don't even know anymore everything's just john king and his maps at this point isn't it but um but i i thought i'd pick that as uh, someone pointed out that um that Joe Biden went ahead earlier on today at what was literally a midnight poll in Georgia. So, uh, so I thought I would, I would pick that. Um, it's a grand song as well. I really like Gladys Knight. I think she's quite underrated actually when it comes to the sort of the big, the big singers. Um, she's not spoken about in the same. I mean, you know, yes, Aretha Franklin is generally exceptional, I think, but she's not necessarily. When you talk about the big voices of that era, you know, Aretha, Dionne Warwick. Um, uh, you know all those sort of people she doesn't she doesn't come up very much or not as often i don't think and i think it's a shame because i think she's she's really great that's her with her cousins the pips and uh, midnight train to georgia see it is easy to forget how successful they were over four mm, decades absolutely yeah Th- 33 singles that made the billboard hot 100 between Gosh, 1961 to 87 yeah um president president trump he's alleging they found some ballots um on the midnight train to georgia that's why they're having a recount <laughs> hey you know what what, what can i say they're they're beautiful ballots they're wonderful ballots they're fantastic <laughs> good ballots. ballots on both sides indeed every sides. everyone says so they're the most amazing ballots except won't it be nice to have a president that's hard to impersonate that's that's my that's what i want out of this someone that just does the job and is there i don't want a character character quote-unquote that locks kids up in cages i just i just want i just want someone to be okay you know i don't need them to i mean obama was wonderful i don't need another obama i just need someone to be there that's all i need boring is good oh absolutely uh, I'm, i'd like everything to be as boring as possible for the next five years please we were talking about scandals earlier and, and, and television and movies love crime and wrongdoing. Uh, many a TV news editor has been heard to say, oh, that's terrible news, but it'll make great television. Um, yes. TV in particular seems obsessed with the past. But maybe mm-hmm. as life maybe as life goes more confusing and perilous as it does, TV maybe merely mirrors ourselves and helps us seek a form of solace in looking backwards. Uh, we, we want to grasp the familiar rather than face the future, perhaps. Here in the UK, um, a tradition has emerged on television on Sunday evenings, perhaps as mm. an escape from the anticipation of a new week ahead. I don't know. Sunday night television, especially in the winter when, it, when it's dark and cold outside, it brings blockbuster nostalgia. Nothing too far back in the past, Jules. More Downton Abbey than Agincourt. That's what we want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a good point to make that the Sunday night seems to be the sort of the home of the period drama, doesn't it? Uh, sometimes we might go back as far as Dickens, you know, Victorian times. Um, not so much recently, interestingly, but um, but yeah, certainly the classics. I mean, and and like you say, particularly sort of early 20th century. So the wild success of Downton Abbey, um, ITV's Mr. Selfridge in a sort of similar era, um, that thing, um, that thing that they got on at 
the moment that I can't, there's name I can't remember unhelpfully. Um, the, the there are there have been all sorts of oh, the Agatha Christie, the the constant Agatha Christie oh, regurgitations yes. across all channels, across BBC. I say all channels, across the major channels, BBC and ITV. Jane and even Austin those always a favourite. Oh yes, absolutely. Which again is going back slightly further in time, but it's very much the same sort of material, Gentleman isn't Jack. it? Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. I can't believe I've got that, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And and there's been a good piece, I think, on this, which tries to unpack it a little bit by Phil Harrison in The Independent, um, which uh, talked about um, the idea of David Cameron getting in in 2010 um, and British TV having this weird habit of walking in lockstep with the wider times and David Cameron being a, quite a, uh, he's described here as a very Downton Abbey sort of politician, <laughs> posh, earnest and insubstantial. Um, but he he sort of fitted in we quite um, we there's something in the British psyche that is quite reassured by slightly posh people I think um, mm. therefore you know demonstrating the fact that most of our last hundred years have involved the Conservative Party being in power with a few yeah. notable exceptions but not not very many um, he makes the good point here I think this is quite good he said um about the way that the, the Downton Abbey particularly, um, you know, that it, it feels um, there's something reassuring about it. And there's actually a real kind of, um, he describes it as a staccato quality to its narrative structure. Everything is very neat. A problem arises, it seems intractable, and then it resolves itself, often in a single episode. So he describes the incidents, things like, silver being nicked you know an illicit night of passion that sort of thing like stones causing ripples in a pond a momentary turbulence would occur before the previous structure restored itself and again the same thing happens with its large-scale events so um the sinking of the Titanic, uh, the First World War. Um, Downton Abbey gets opened up to recuperating soldiers in the in the First World War. Um, initially, there's chaos, but eventually the upheaval becomes uh, beneficial. Um, the idea that um, what at first it might have seen that nothing could ever be the same again soon, calm was returned. We can probably look forward to an awful, even more period dramas if we ever come out of this COVID time than we did beforehand. And possibly, if I was a TV commissioner at the moment, and I literally have very little to show I'd be dipping into the archives finding any period dramas that we had I mean the BBC ought to be re-showing all their Dickensian things not least because they've probably been made at very great expense so so my feeling is well you know why not show it again and and recoup a bit of money maybe put them on streaming services there's something about there's something about period dramas in in the in the not too distant past it's um there was a lovely line in the history boys once about how how the the there's nothing harder to contextualize than the the fairly recent past because there's nothing to compare it to so it's why I, we might be moving out of that era now but it's why for the last 10 years every time I've watched an old episode of Inspector Morse on ITV3 it's always looked really dated because it's come from the, the early to mid 90s the same with Inspector Frost and stuff like that and everything just looks a little bit out of step it just looks a bit dated it doesn't look retro it doesn't look period although it might now actually now that we've hit 30 years away it might it might i don't know but there's just it just looks sort of jaded and i suppose perhaps now we've hit the golden spot where the second world war does feel like history maybe it didn't 30 years ago but now we're at the time where we can look back and i guess that that period of time is particularly attractive for, for people to watch because he makes a good point there about Downton Abbey. You know, class structures, they seem to kind of, they, they, you know, the things seem to change a bit, but they mostly reassuringly stay the same or they change in a reassuring way. I'd like to single out one particular period drama, which I think is really good, simply because it looks really cosy. And actually, when you watch it, it often says really important things about class and the way that women are treated and in the way that things have evolved and how life isn't always cut and dried. I'd like to give a special medal to Call the Midwife on BBC One for managing okay. to smuggle in hmm. a lot of quite radical thought sometimes amongst pretty nurses in cardigans. And I think that it's, it's written by a woman. Uh, Heidi Thomas is the main sort of showrunner. And I think it's fabulous the way that they managed to smuggle those things in. Um, 
I like the I can completely understand the idea of people watching things for comfort, but I particularly admire that because it's doing a little bit more heavy lifting than the kind of the uh, the uh, the uh, the chocolate box American touristy uh, visions that Downton Abbey comes up with. Yeah, thinking of our um, endearment and our our relationship with television. I'm thinking about how over 150 years ago, Karl Marx wrote that religion is the opium of the people. And mm. you can probably see where I'm going with this, because I have a I suspicion can. that if you were alive today, <laughs> if Karl Marx was alive today, which would be remarkable, as that would make him 220 years old. I was going to say, he'd um, be about a million years old, yes. and probably in a museum himself. But anyway, yeah. If Karl Marx was commenting today, he might well adjust that idea into television, or football being the opiate of the people in the 21st century. And I have a feeling where I'm leading with this is I've got a feeling that if there wasn't television and televised football to keep factions of the country occupied mm. at the moment, I mean, we might well see moves towards mass disorder. And it may explain why any government really would be seen to be ensuring elite sport and television carry on hand in hand mm. through our point. current crisis. But, um Television. I, completely, I completely agree. I think that's a really mm. good point. And also, it's keeping lots of... I think the age of the box set is keeping a lot of people mm. quelled at the moment as well. It was very telling. There is so much stuff on BBC iPlayer at the moment. They would usually guard pretty zealously, I think. And it's all up there. If you want to watch any of the 10 series of Spooks, you can. If you want to watch any of all, you know, 15 or 16, whatever it is, series of ER, they're all on all four. You know, it's there's a, there's a lot there. So, so but I think that, that, that your point is a really good one about about, and it brings and also perhaps on a slightly less sinister sinister take it does bring a fair amount of joy i think to people i think the return of bake-off has certainly brought my work whatsapp group a lot of joy and the return of strictly come dancing however unnormal has brought people a lot of joy as well so so maybe maybe something that can bring us together and get people talking about things is not necessarily a bad thing but i do agree that there is perhaps a you know a worry aspect of what would happen if it wasn't there yeah, absolutely well i think um p- part of that is that one is hopefully safe in your home so you can yes. temporarily shut out the world and wallow in a time of um horse and carriage and butlers and ballots <laughs> and afternoon tea in the drawing drawing room you know the sort of modern day opium of the people is right there and what is quite interesting is that stuff like that has been reshown and actually i've just made reference to agatha christie mm. um so so sarah i think it's sarah phelps that was redesigning the the agatha christie's as being the big productions for the bbc every christmas i think she'd done another one for this year um that may or may not be shown there was one that they couldn't show because it involved a chap about whom there were allegations and it had to be withdrawn and not shown i think but what i wonder what will happen this year because the way that her retellings were so interesting was they were a bit bloodier than the than the marples that you get on ITV with good old Geraldine McEwen in them and 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 Julia McKenzie and you know the sort of things that, that can be shown at three o'clock in the afternoon on mm. ITV three. These new mod, more modern Christies wouldn't put them in that box. They were shown at nine o'clock in oh, the evening. Oh, I don't and, want them. You and, see, I want Margaret Rutherford. And this and, and this is what safety. I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And this is what I'm saying. It's interesting that stuff like that, stuff involving murders and death isn't being shown at the moment. Mm. That's why da- a nation didn't forgive Downton Abbey for poor old, and I'm not going to say spoiler alert, by the way, because it's happened years ago and you should have caught up by now if you haven't, but I, I have no patience with people that say spoiler alert with stuff that happened six years ago, Terence. But, um, but when poor old Matthew was killed on Christmas Day at the end of the episode in a car accident, I remember saying there was a scene where he was with his wife and their newborn baby and he said, oh, you know, something like, I don't need anything else than this and I said to my parents do you think something's going to happen to him and they said no it won't don't be stupid it's Christmas day they wouldn't do that five minutes later his car's upside down in a hedge and so is he and that was the end of him so so maybe that aside Blotter gets copybook like you say maybe we'll see more repeats of Call the Midwife and and Downton Abbey and the chocolate box safety stuff and maybe maybe the, the, the move towards more edgy revivals of things maybe this will stop that dead for a bit if you pardon the pun <laughs> oh very good yeah no no doom and gloom for me thank you um coming next have you ever written to an agony art <laughs> who are these people um that's <laughs> that's right after the outstanding voice of paddy McHugh mm. with the band coconut Such a high, such a low. 
you enjoyed that because it's one of my favorite tracks mm-hmm. of all time and i think if you're going to cover an aretha franklin record then you better be sure of what you're doing and i think this manages it uh, beautifully the gorgeous voice of paddy McHugh and from uh, their debut album in 1975 kokomo and angel that is lovely i haven't heard that for a very long time and it was really nice to hear it thank you terence now, when I was a very young boy, one of the great highlights of my week was reading what was then called the problem pages of my mother's magazines, mm. such as Women's Own and Women's Realm. I, I had <laughs> little idea what they were talking about. And in any case, <laughs> the questions and answers were written in a sort of discreet 1960s suburban alternative language. Women would <laughs> ask if they were ruined because they had given themselves to a man who had subsequently left them and i was introduced to the term petting should <laughs> i let my boyfriend indulge in light petting might be the question but i had not the i had the slightest idea what it meant now the 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 women it was always women in the 1960s who answered the problems were always reassuringly called marjorie or phyllis and they were like slightly bossy but well-meaning aunts mm. and perhaps that's why they started to be called agony aunts George these personal advice columns they seem to continue to thrive yet i've often i've often wondered about their authenticity do you think that in the 21st century the age of the internet and instant solutions that people really do still write into a newspaper columnist for advice on life and love matters I'm not sure. I I don't know if the people that write in are authentic or not. I know I know there's often quite a lot of um quite a lot of tomfoolery and not entire truths that go on in mag- particularly your magazines. I know this because I won't name any names uh, names of the person involved here. But I was at I wrote on my university newspaper as the uh, as the law correspondent, which usually I have to be honest because I was 20 at the time. So what else would you do than regurgitate whatever was in the Guardian that week? <laughs> which was usually what I did I've got to be honest but um but uh, so I had a, I, I fell under news I think so my sub-editor was a very nice girl who I got on very well with who only ever had to chase me on deadline day once as a result of which we got on quite well and we ended up following each other on Twitter because we had a, a mutual friend sort of you know a year or so after you know, a couple of years later after I'd left and and we suddenly realised who each other were. And she went off to be a sub-editor, and then I think eventually an editor, of various women's magazines. And not not uh, so not dissimilar to your mum's women's and women's own, yes. but maybe things like Bella and Best, I think, were the sort of publications right. that she used to work right. on. And she once contacted me in was in some level of stress which was unlike her and basically saying that they needed to write a review which i think looking back on it might not have been entirely authentic of some cleaning products in their magazine and could they use my photograph to go with this <laughs> fictional review of cleaning products i can't remember what my name was now it wasn't me i had a different name i think and i just said yeah fine and sent off looking back on it now born a great idea my facebook profile pictures so that probably would have been fairly easy to fact check yeah. wouldn't it really but um so i am aware of the fact that perhaps and of course the, the bbc scandals years ago with people ringing into radio phone and joe wiley's producer ringing into an apparent phone in there's been this and blue peter as well getting into trouble there's been these sort of things for yes. years so i'm aware of the fact that perhaps not everything is always as it seems having said that i do still i can even if it's not quite right i do find quite a lot of the advice columns that i read 
quite insightful actually and i have a long-running joke and there are two different types of advice columnists i have a long-running joke with my good friend grace who i I write with sometimes that she said she says that we must do some sort of either joint advice column or tv a radio phoning or something where she said this is going to be another one of those situations where someone writes in with a problem you give a very uh, a very sort of informed balanced careful thoughtful reply that's you know sort of about a page long and I just shout, just dump him, love, through cut pants. <laughs> so there are sort of two different ways you can look at problems. But we seem to be in an era of thoughtful and interesting advice columnists. There's a, I think her name's Annalisa Barbieri in The Guardian at weekends who writes about family problems and people write in. And again, you, we don't know if these people are true mm. or not, but people, but the problems that they write in about feel universal to me when i read so them even I, if they're I, made up it's still yeah they still people, they yeah. still strike a chord i think and actually interestingly i this is there's someone who i think's got a really old head on young shoulders and i this went sort of semi-viral on twitter recently a woman called Dolly Alderton is now a, a writer. I think we, we've talked about before on the program because she and Pandora Sykes, also of the sort of the the broadsheets, do a podcast called The Hilos together, which which is enjoyable. Um, Dolly's a, in her. I think she's recently turned thirty. She's younger than me, but she is an extraordinarily thoughtful and sensible and kind advice columnist for the Sunday Times. I think and. Someone shared a story that just the headline is, Dear Dolly, I've piled on weight during lockdown. Will I ever feel attractive again? And basically this woman has said um, she's uh, homeschooling, working from home, single parent to two children. There was little time for contemplative yoga or solo mini marathons around the park after contracting the virus, which dragged on and on and then not being able to leave our tiny flat much due to the lockdown. The only excitement of the day seemed to be a gin and tonic at 6pm, rounds of Netflix and tea nut peanut butter on toast i eat when i'm stressed and when i'm bored and i was very stressed and very bored and now the buttons are popping off my jeans my clothes don't fit i don't want to spend a fortune buying pretty new things in l when i have to get back to m and how will i ever feel glamorous and attractive again after piling on the pounds and covering my face with a mask please help i don't want to be single forever now i think a lot of us can hang a lot on that i think i thought dolly alderton's reply because sometimes you get agony aunts. Occasionally, as much as I like a Mariella Frostrup in The Observer kind of tends towards the sort of pull yourself together a bit sort of end of things. And there was a, a regrettable episode for a while where The Guardian, I suspect, for clicks and likes and publicity, employed Anne Widdicombe as a, a vice columnist, which went exactly as Good you Lord. thought it probably would. Yes, exactly. Anyway, didn't last very long. I was really struck by this reply. It began... As I read your letter, the first thing I thought was what a challenging time you've been through in the last six months. You've had to educate, entertain and care for not one but two young children all day, every day, without the help of a partner whilst being mostly confined indoors in a tiny living space. You contracted an illness that was largely unknown and potentially debilitating. All this this happened during a time when you couldn't see friends or extended family or go to the pub or go away or go anywhere for that matter. I want you to read that back and acknowledge what a difficult set of circumstances you've been living through recently. With that in mind, I'm going to present you with a possibility. You haven't indulged at all. You haven't overindulged at all. You haven't eaten too much. You haven't messed up a routine. You've been giving yourself exactly what you've needed in a time of immense stress. You have been in complete communion with your mind and body. Um, She goes on to say, a clever thing the diet industry did to the collective consciousness is to attach morals to eating. Certain foods are bad certain ways of eating it are bad and if we are to believe that the fallacy of what are you are what you eat is true every time we put food in our mouths we give ourselves permission to rate our morality and she goes on in a really sensible and kind and thoughtful way and actually reading that made me feel better as well it did it did sort of make gave me permission to think well you know the fact that i haven't got to the end of my French Duolingo course when I was at the same time as trying to deal with the fact that my dad had cancer, my relationship ended and I sort of lost my job was, you know, I I, I think that that there is particularly in these strange times when we're all so isolated from each other. I know that we're all trying to have Zooms and all that kind of stuff. And it does make, you know, does uh, what we were able to see each other for a while, but now we can't again. 
I wonder if there is, I think there is a place for columns like this, particularly when they're that, they're that well thought out and that well considered. I think it is nice to be able to read something where someone has problems which, even if they are composed, are, are relatable and and are sort of dealt with in a in an interesting and, and kind and thoughtful way so actually if you'd asked me nine months ago I would have said oh you know the internet's full of brawls you know is there really is there really a place for, for agony columns when we've all got where we've all got sort of so much information at our fingertips but when we have so much being thrown at us all the time it is nice to read a cool blast of sense like that actually and to feel that someone else has similar problems or or you know that someone else has problems frankly that someone else is is having a crap time dealing with all this too i think is is a is a really helpful and useful thing so actually at the moment i'd like to see agony columns stick around i think now it's funny you say that because you make a point very well and i can easily you see the thing is i can easily imagine you as an agony art <laughs> that's nice of you to say and the, the thing is, I'm able to test you on this because I've had a couple of emails I've received oh, lately gosh, from people. Oh, gosh, right, OK. I'm up for yeah. this. Let's do yeah. it. I promised to keep them anonymous and um, they've asked for advice with some problems and I wonder if you can help them. Well, let's give uh, it a go. I, I won't <laughs> shout just dump him, love, through cupped hands. I will try and be thoughtful. Well, the first one, as I say, anonymous, is fr from someone called DT and mm. he asks this. I've recently lost an election as president of the United <laughs> States. Can Julia advise me on what I should do with my free time? Can you help DT? I think DT should think about, um, think back on his time in the job that he's just had before he yeah. losing it. I think he should consider whether there are any points of regret that he might necessarily have about the way that he conducted himself or the decisions he'd made or perhaps the impacts of his actions. Um, what, what, you know, maybe they, they had impacts on other people that were negative and maybe it might not be a bad idea for him to spend some of his free time um, giving back things that he may have taken away. I'm jotting all this down because I'm going to send it back to him. He's I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure it'll go down really well. I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll be a, a big fan of that. Uh, the second email I received is, is from a woman who she only wants to be known as Megan M uh, to protect her <laughs> identity. Fair enough. Um, Megan asks this. She says, "Quite recently, I married a member of the British royal family." <laughs> I am very woke and I would like to host a series on Netflix about how believing in your dreams can make them happen. What advice has Juliet got for me? That's well, interesting. It's yeah. very interesting. I don't know who and, she is, but there we you're anonymizing her. Let's call yeah. her Miss Markle in the same way that um, in the same way that there's an episode of The Simpsons where Principal Skinner says a student has made a suggestion. Um, we'll only call her L Simpson. No, actually, to protect her anonymity, let's just call her Lisa S. So, um, so, so yeah, let's 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 adopt the same the same attitude here. What I would say to Megan is. Um, <laughs> okay let's do it to really wind up follow your dreams you get a load of crap from people that don't know what they're talking about um a lot of it is racist i think the criticism of you it wouldn't be criticized a white girl wouldn't be criticized in the same way uh you know particularly a sort of a commoner um do what you want love as far as i'm concerned you and your husband are wet well out of it in america you know do do what you like love i, I follow your dreams Right, that's great. I'll pass that on to her as well. Our second anonymous uh, emailer of the of the week. So I'm sure they'd both be very glad. If, to if anybody else wants to wants to send their advice in, um, we could offer you either me or Terence. Um, you well, might don't get. Don't go for me. I was going to say we might get slightly different different perspectives on matters from us both, but still, um, you know, I, I, who knows? I, well, I'm always willing to give advice. I would, however, as a lawyer, always stress that you seek independent advice if there's anything <laughs> about which you are unsure thank you so much for listening to us this week it's been lovely to have you along absolutely thank you very much for keeping us sane during an insane time now, now jules when you're not dispensing advice to troubled world <laughs> figures so when i'm not dispensing advice that even occasionally has been solicited rather than unsolicited Indeed. where might we find you this very weekend 
You can find me on Mixler, like you can most weekends at the moment. Um, having uh, recovered from the three-hour Halloween Fright Fest, which took mm. place last Saturday, last Saturday evening, and the I will be uh, returning just for one one shot this weekend. Okay. We will be doing smooth sailing again on Sunday evening, which is pretty much what it says on the tin. Yacht Rock, AOR, classic pop, easy listening. If you miss it, you can catch up. So you need to go to Mixler.com. So we're spelling that M-I-X-L-R.com. Uh, um, you can search for my name on there, which is Juliet harris you can find my live page you can follow me so you get email alerts of when i'm on air and you can click on the show and you can listen to all the 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 recent well actually all the shows i've done during lockdown i think are up on there there's quite a few now so so you can dip into the back catalogue and uh, if you can tune in live from seven till nine on on a sunday evening and uh yep we just play tunes to cheer we were listening to you last week as we had our vegan sunday roast it was i'm very proud listening and you call Meghan Markle woke, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've been to the city mentioned in our last track, and it sure needs someone to help it out because it's not, it hasn't been doing well for the last 30 or 40 years. Absolutely, but I, I very much like this song, and uh, eagle-eared listeners will spot my themes this week of the uh, of the state still very much in play. Um, this is a city rather than a state, but um, I was very much enjoyed its uh, 94 to 95% uh, voting Democrat. Um, I, I, so I, as I shared this uh, factoid on Twitter earlier, I did give the title of this song um, as a quote tweet, and I find this to be incredibly energising um, and uh, it used to be on my gym playlist back in the days when we could go to gyms or indeed I did go to gyms and I have to be honest um, me going to gyms stopped quite a long time before we could then stop going to them, I could pretend those two <laughs> events coincided, they really didn't, by, by years I think if I'm going to be brutally frank Terence but anyway I find this to be I found this to be very effective when pounding the treadmills um, it's the sort of song that, that, that you know Sort of people that have used gyms i used to have it on a playlist and have it in my earphones but if you do go to a commercial gym where they always seem to have tvs on all the time blaring out this sort of thing you would usually find this on the sort of the music channels the mtv dance but despite this or maybe even because of this who knows anymore i really like this this is uh fellow legrand and put your hands up for detroit
hands up for Detroit. You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>